0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host for the week, Jason, with my brother Michael. What's going on, y'all? And while Tim is not here, we need to start off the podcast with a great announcement from Tim. He was the 10th overall ranker this past week. On Fantasy Pros, right there in the top 10, inside the Fantasy Pros weekly tweet of top 10 rankers. Tim may have missed the pod and then had his best ranking week yet, Yeah, but his rankings are still on the website and they were still fire flame spitter yeah top 10 in QBs and running backs I believe I was top 10 in tight ends Jason was top 10 in QBs and tight ends yeah I wasn't I think I was like 40th so I was all I also showed out pretty well this week so we're we're making some moves in these rankings so shout out Tim even though he's not with us today you got me and Michael for week seven let's do it Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Yahtzee. What? I don't know. Michael's looking at me to start talking. I wasn't sure if he was going to talk or I was going to talk, so I said Yahtzee because... <laughs> Because Tim usually does the hosting. Dude, right before we started, I was like, all right, I had to tweet the rankings. Because we always finish the rankings, tweet them out, and get started on the pod. And I was tweeting the ranking, and I was like, yo, week seven? The fuck? Yeah, man. Hot day. Right? So, so, it's halfway, basically, like, halfway through the regular season. Like, there's 13 games in the fantasy regular season. So, I mean, six and a half, halfway after the one o'clock games, I guess. Technically halfway, but... We're almost halfway through. It's crazy. Hopefully, there's more. Um, what, It's week seven. Six and O's out there than 0 and 6's of the listeners of Brodo. Uh, a lot more 6 and O's. I could feel it. I have some 6 and O's myself. It's Dude, great. Dude, I think me and an uh, in insight into the Brodo League. My redraft league, my team is good, man. And I'm 1 and 5. And me and Shiz in the Discord, I guess, have... A little beef over who has the best one in five team because I see he's shouting me out about that. I got to see his team because my team is fucking good and I'm one in five. So, on that note, people out there, sometimes you just get a bad luck of the draw early in the year. If you're like two and four, three and three, you're like a game back from the playoffs, don't panic if you know your team is good. Like, if you know your team is set up to have championship potential. Don't go and trade off your team just because you're a little shook that you're two and four. And shout out to uh, Nick, one of our patrons last year, who was zero and six, led the league in points. It <laughs> was zero and six, won out the rest of the way and made the playoffs. So you never. Uh, Wasn't a patron league. You're never out of it. No, not in a patron league. Just in general, oh. he's one of our patrons. That's wild. You could become a patron. Patreon.com/slash/protofantasy. The Discord is so much fun. yo! I love that Discord. Yeah, it really is. That's that's sick. Owen six leading the point. How does it even happen? Yeah. Talk about bad luck. There is some uh some luck some luck volatility mixed in there for sure. But Yeah. So um after the COVID list Thursday game last week because of schedule changes, we do have a Thursday game this week. Before we get into that, a quick word about party belts. Uh PartyBelts.com, the official championship belt of Brodo Fantasy Football. Super cool belt. You can customize it. One size fits all. Nice and tight. Holds your beers on the side. Looks cool, affordable. Use our code BROTO for 15% off. It'll be like 30 bucks for you and your 9 or 11 or 13 other people in your league to have something for winning. Yeah. And all you have to do is throw in like $2 each. Forget about these trophies you never use. Forget about the belts that are super expensive. I'm telling you the shit is man cool. So you should really get one. PartyBus.com, code BROTO. And then if you want to play Thrive Fantasy, which is like DFS, but for player props, which is always fun. So is OBJ going to go over 50 and a half yards? Is OBJ going to shit himself during the game and then get horny? (laughs) (laughs) Damn, Jay. Yeah, I went a little hard on that one. Uh, You can go to Thrive and do stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. If you use code BROTO20, two zero for the year 2020, because we were also with them last year, BROTO20. Uh, you they will match you between twenty five and fifty dollars. Um, they will basically double your money. Dollars. Twenty or fifty dollars, or double the money in your account. Yeah. On first first deposit, and it's a lot of fun. So give that. It's a shot. the shit. Hey, hey, like obj. Uh, broto twenty is the code again for Thrive Fantasy. And do, the caps doesn't matter. Just b r o t o twenty two zero, not spelled out two zero. Yeah. There you go. With th- without further ado. Let's move on to Thursday Night Football on MSG. The Giants and the Eagles are not the best on TV. Eagle. So every team in the NFC East is in the playoff hunt. Yep. And every team in the NFC sucks. The Washington football team is one win away from leading the division. Also one win away from the number one overall, one loss away from the number one overall pick. So last week when um, I was hosting, I decided I was going to do a story of the game to start each game. So I'll do that again. And yeah, I'll just your, come up with uh, them on the fly. Your interim That's my thing. interim host ability. So <laughs> the story of the game here is Miles Glyle Sanders is out for at least this week. Um, probably the next because the bye week follows for the Man, Eagles. Man, on the review pod, I was talking about how Sanders had a bye week eight. I was bugging. It was week nine, which is so much worse. Yeah, because it's probably going to be two missed games and then a bye week if they want to hold them out through that. With that being said, in week one, we saw Boston Scott play 56% of snaps and Corey Clement play 36%. However, um, they both disappointed in week one, but last season, Boston Scott had his two best games ever, both against the Giants. Week 14, 128 yards and a touchdown. Week 17, 138 yards and a touchdown. What's your thoughts on Boston Scott this week? I thought it was th- Actually, week 17, he scored three touchdowns Yeah, against the Giants. <clears throat> he went in. Call me crazy here, man, but I'm, I'm falling for it again. Week one, I fell for it. I was too high on Boston Scott. This week, I got him right there as a solid RB2 at RB19 right now because the New York Giants defense does not scare me. If you look at their points allowed to opposing players, like quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers— They're actually pretty damn good overall. But that's because they're such a bad offense. Like, and teams don't just, don't need to just keep dominating them. Similar to last week, how the Jets lost 24-zip to the Dolphins and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended with 18 fantasy points and 17 and a half of them were in the first half. Like, Fitzpatrick could have had a huge game, but the Jets were so bad that he was limited in the second half. That's similar to what's been going on with the Giants. They've been better overall defensively than you would expect, but they are not by any means a team that you're scared away from. On the ground, they're not—they're uh, not like this great run defense. And Boston Scott, man, last week after uh, Miles Sanders went down, he outsnapped Corey Clement thirty-five to seven. That is a big, big difference—eighty percent to twenty percent, four touches, uh, two rushes. Two receptions and four targets. Corey Clement, no rushes, no targets, no receptions. So it seems like it's going to be Boston Scott's backfield at like a 65-35, maybe even 70-30 split. We've seen Doug Peterson this year with Miles Sanders. He wants to use a workhorse now. And that Eagles offense is rolling a little bit more than it was in the beginning of the year. Uh, Carson Wentz is getting better. So, I actually, I think Boston Scott is in a, a nice spot this week on a Thursday to have a nice game against the Giants. Yeah, if you're all in on Boston Scott, then I am um, a part of his soul now because I have him ranked at 14. Oh, well then. No, 12. Sorry. I think this oh, is a Jason spectacular going in. matchup. And if you look at the Giants, where they've struggled most against running backs this year has been through the air. They've allowed 13 PPR points per game to running backs through the air. Just through the air this season. Every game, 13 points. That's That's like wide receiver one. You just had a touchdown in. And this is a running back only through the air. That's Boston Scott's strong suit in his young career. He's also shown that he's capable of handling the rock. And if he's going to get the majority of the touches, I think this is going to be a Boston Scott coming out party. And like the last two times he's played the Giants, Thursday night. Cool. Works for me. Uh Corey Clement, any flex appeal? I feel like he might see some work, but it's hard to know what the distribution might be. I wouldn't be surprised if Clement is actually decent, but he's no more than a touchdown-dependent flex. Yeah, if he comes in as like the short yardage-slash-goal-line guy, he'll have some appeal against the Giants, but he's more of a boom-bust flex play if you're desperate. Moving over to the quarterback. I'm not sure how I feel about Carson Wentz in this game because he has been so much better recently... Um, has put up 20 or more fantasy points in like four of his last five games. He's been very good for fantasy purposes. It's because he's been using his legs. He has four rushing touchdowns this season. That is beyond a career high. He had three rushing yeah. touchdowns combined the last two seasons overall. Now he has four. And I just don't know if a game against the Giants where the matchup seems good is a game where you want to use Carson once because it's probably a game where he's not going to have to rush in a touchdown. Yeah, um, he's been trailing early and often, of course, in most of these performances of late, but you can't dismiss four straight games of at least 19 and a half fantasy points. Just put up 29 and a half against Baltimore. That is not easy. It is always difficult to predict rushing from a quarterback, but he's clearly showing that he's willing and able to use his legs this season without Miles Sanders. I would not be shocked if he looks towards using his legs even more. No Zach Ertz. It's I'm with you. There is some risk here because it's. I think it's gonna be a. It could be an ugly game. Eagles and Giants. Both of them are playing, not great football by any means. So once does have some risk, but I would not be scared of streaming him if I have, um, a quarterback on buy. Before we go to wide receivers to let you talk about your boy Travis Falcom, I'm just gonna put this out there right away. Fuck out of here with Richard Rodgers, people. Yeah, he's like some. Sleeper for some reason. If Zach Ertz, a legitimately good tight end, hasn't done anything in that offense, why would Richard Rodgers? Mm-hmm. Like I don't even care if I know right now that Richard Rodgers is going to score a touchdown Thursday night. I still wouldn't start him just out of principle. Like the thing, the thing is, you know, Ertz is out, Goddard is out, Sanders is out. Well, Zach Ertz has been seeing O D targets and has been trash. Richard Rodgers is better than Zach Ertz. No, exactly. So, no thank you on Zach Ertz. Uh, excuse me, Richard Rodgers. I agree, probably no thank you on Zach Ertz if he wasn't hurt. Tell me about well. Mc but, Uh Travis Fulgham, man, he is balling out. I tried. Uh, I was t- on the review pod. I was saying how on last week's waiver wire pod that you were a little more hesitant on going all in on Fulgham than I was, and Fulgham produced very nicely in a difficult matchup against Baltimore. Now going against the Giants, the Giants' pass defense has been pretty solid. The main, main reason for that is James Bradbury, who has been very good uh, defensively. Uh, Fifth-rated cornerback, according to PFF, in man coverage this year. He is expected to be covering Travis Fulgham, so it's not the easiest matchup, but Fulgham is a target machine at this point. 13 targets against Pitt, 10 against Baltimore. Guess what? Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey and company, also not an easy matchup for Fulgham last week, and he had a very nice game. I have him as a wide receiver three. Uh, I think there is upside for more. I'm not super scared away by the matchup just because of the targets and the way he's been playing. You know, he's actually the second-ranked wide receiver overall in PFF right now behind Justin Jefferson. He was first last week. Yeah, so Travis Fulgham, I'm sticking with you again this week as a wide receiver three. I think he's solidified a pretty solid floor at this point, and if he finds the end zone, could... On his way to another top this is twenty-four weird. game. I have him at twenty-two. You're like talking about how you love these people, and I just have them ranked. I have him at twenty-two. I maybe moving back just because, may like if Bradbury shadows him, it's tr- it's a little cause for concern. But this guy has seen twenty-three targets in the last two games, right. and has done nothing but produce. The reason I, I I am a little bit lower on Fulgham than you are is because I do think it's going to be, like the Eagles aren't going to be trailing this game. Yeah, like, this is probably the first time, besides against Washington, where they, they're going to be a, a favorite. Like, they're a favorite this week by, like, four and a half points against the Giants. I think they're going to win by more than that. So, I think it could be more of a Boston Scott-type game. So We're not considering Greg Ward, Hightower, or any other of those guys. I think Greg Ward is, like, an interesting DFS player or something if uh, Bradbury's going to be covering Fulgham. But, yeah, not you can't trust those guys at this point. Uh, Deshaun Jackson returns. Deshaun Jackson's back. He's someone, right, yeah. look, Deshaun Jackson just steps right back up into do I want to start this guy knowing I could get four points? Do I want to start him knowing I could get 29 points on like two crazy bomb touchdowns? Coming off an injury, he's practicing in full. I, I don't like playing boom bust guys coming off injury very much uh even though it is a very solid matchup i i think he's worn Deshaun more of Jackson a, has historically destroyed the giants he has historically destroyed the giants i would I, I don't hate him i don't hate him as a flex play this week but i do think it's a little it's a little risky coming back off injury and he hasn't played in weeks and that offense is kind of like morphed since last time who's yeah, on the field like it's Deshaun Jackson if you have a bye week and you're deciding between d jacks and a bunch of scrubs in your waiver wire then maybe give him a shot but besides that, I'm not taking like I'm not going too far. Yeah. Moving over to the Giants, um, Devontae Freeman is their workhorse now, apparently. He played yeah. 76% of snaps last week. Unfortunately for him, though, the Eagles run defense is basically the only strong suit on their team at the moment. They just held the Baltimore Ravens, even though Mark Ingram got injured. Um Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram wasn't doing well before he got hurt and J.K. Dobbins all struggled on the ground. All of these guys were tops in the league in yards per carry and were just bottled up all day by the Eagles. This matchup does not um, does not look good for Devontae Freeman. Yeah, uh, I've been my RB26 right now because, um, look, he's going to get a ton of work. But like you said, and like we've said all year long, dating back to last year, the Eagles' run defense is very, very good. Like, that's been their lone bright spot over these last couple years taking into consideration everything that's basically been going wrong for them, and it continues to be the case. And Devontae Freeman, yes, he's getting a ridiculous amount of work. He had like 40% of the Giants' overall touches last week because they ran so little plays. That makes him a flex play, at least, period. Like, if you're going to get 40% of your team's touches, 15 plus touches, you're in flex consideration, low-end RB2 consideration. But like you said, it's it's a very difficult matchup against Philly. I think their front seven is uh is underrated, so I don't love him. I don't see a, high, a huge ceiling, but at this point, he has solidified a pretty decent floor where he'll get you inside the top 30 running backs or so. For the first time in his life last week, Darius Slayton scored a touchdown without scoring another one in the same game. That's the first time ever? His first one-touchdown game. He's what a, a scrub. He's a two-touchdown guy. <laughs> Um, On that note, though, that was only one of two catches on four targets, where the week before against Dallas, he went 8 for 129. Uh, I think it's going to be more of the same for Slayton, and in that, I mean disappointment. This is not the Dallas secondary that has been lit up by everyone on human earth, including the infamously inefficient Christian Kirk. I just don't think that uh, this passing offense with Daniel Jones with the the bottom-of-the-barrel true throw value is something that you want to Hughes and Darius Slayton always has wide receiver three appeal because of that big play potential. But besides Slayton, I'm not starting anyone else, and Slayton also scares me. Yeah, especially because Sterling Shepard is expected back at this point. Like, we'll see the reports tomorrow, but, like, he's back to practice. He's off the injured reserve, and Sterling Shepard has been the main guy in that offense when healthy. So, in a... In a matchup against Philly where you can attack them through the air, I agree that Darius Slayton is a decent boomer bust play, but like his expert consensus ranking of wide receiver 27 right now I think is too high. Like I'd, I'd prefer him in my flex, but there is significant downside as well if Sterling Shepard comes back and demands a lot of targets. And then Philly has been really bad against the tight end as well, so maybe Evan Ingram gets even more involved this year. He is running a route basically on every snap. So I do I do want to uh put some caution out there for rosterers of Darius Lee and that it may not be the, the best game ever. Evan Ingram's disappointing season continues and he does not score a rushing touchdown to salvage his day. Uh this is now one, two, three, four games in a row without going over thirty five yards. Yuck. Yeah. Um, are you still starting Evan Ingram? He's seventh still in expert consensus ranking. Um, that's just living in the past. I have him at ten at the moment. I'm probably gonna move him lower. There's a few guys who I might like. I want to see if Jordan Aikens is gonna play because if not, Darren Fells is a better play, man. Yeah, if Jordan Aikens is out, Darren Fells has been balling. And uh, I want to see how healthy Noah Fant is. Like honestly, if these guys are available, I'd rather take a shot on them than. Evan Ingram. The thing is, with the the Eagles, they've allowed multiple tight end overall one performances. Like, not tight, multiple tight end one performances. Overall tight end one performances. So, I have Evan Ingram as my tight end 12. I don't love it. Obviously, he's been a huge disappointment this season, but the whole offense has been a huge disappointment. Again, I think the factors into Sterling Shepard's return, too. I think that actually helps Evan Ingram, opens up the field more for him, so... I like Ingram more if Shepard does, in fact, play. And Golden Tate could just... Please just don't put him on any roster ever again. And we're not starting Daniel Jones. No. No. Absolutely not. Moving on to the next game. A revenge game, some might call it. Revenge. Teddy Bridgewater goes back to New Orleans. Ah. Little revenge game, although they treated him very nicely in New Orleans. Um, the Panthers going to the Saints. The story of this game. Let's see. You just said it. A, a little bit of a revenge. Oh, the game. revenge game. That's the story. Can All right. Guy. So we'll go to his weapons because Teddy Bridgewater not a capable fantasy starter. This guy has six touchdowns and five interceptions in six weeks. If this isn't what you expected from Teddy Bridgewater, you're not watching football. Anyway. I mean, I th- I think he's a viable streaming candidate this week. I'm not gonna lie. No to. man. The New Orleans passing defense has. Struggled mightily this season. They just got torched by Justin Herbert. Matt Stafford played decent against them. Aaron Rodgers went absolutely in against them. Derek Carr a decent game against them. Tom Brady week one is really the only game where they played. You're well. naming capable quarterbacks. Yeah, but I mean, the Saints are going to score, right? Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to pass a lot. I just think this is one of those games where he has some streaming appeal. I have him as QB 15, higher than consensus. Uh, I didn't expect myself to feel this way, but I I like the way with this uh, high-scoring game likely coming from New Orleans, and I think Teddy Bridgewater actually has some streaming appeal here. Could not disagree more. It is remarkable. Please don't start Teddy Bridgewater. Can we bet Teddy Bridgewater is a top 15 quarterback? If he's streamable, that means you're saying 12. I have him as my QB 15. All right, 15 works. Jeez, Louise J, you're man annoying sometimes, Prick. you know that? Let's talk about his weapons. First, first, let's go to the ground. Because Mike Davis, in a down week, quotes, was still running back 20 in PPR. He's second in the league in missed tackles, only behind Clyde Edwards. Hell yeah. What more can you offer from the guy? Don't, like, overthink it just because he had one down week. He's still a top 10 option. I don't care if the Saints are a decent run defense I don't he just this is his first time last week that he had less than six targets going back to week two in the game that he replaced CMC yeah and New Orleans can give up passing game work to the running back as well like even if Mike Davis isn't getting a bunch of yards on the ground obviously he's a huge part of that passing offense last week it wasn't as much as you expect but Against New Orleans, I expect Mike Davis to be a huge part of that passing offense again. He catches six, seven balls, and he's on his way to a huge game. He's a set to forget at RB1 when Christian McCaffrey's out at this point. Like, 100%. I don't care if what the matchup is. New Orleans is not that difficult that you completely shy away from a guy who's been as good as he's been. So we're looking at an offense with not that many weapons because you're not considering Ian Thomas. I think we can get that. Tight end yeah, out of the way here. New Orleans is so trash against tight end, but it doesn't matter because Ian Thomas just does not factor in, period. Um, so we'll just tackle these wide receivers together. Robbie Anderson last week five targets his <coughs> least since week three. Although he did turn it into four and seventy-seven. So even when he's not getting that many looks, he's still putting up at least wide receiver three numbers. Whereas DJ Moore has somehow put up 93 yards two weeks in a row, something yeah. about that number. Um, and got 11 targets last week, his most since Week 2. So, a little bit of a difference there, not what we're used to seeing you typically. What do you expect out of these guys? I'm going back to the Robbie Anderson over DJ Moore here. I, I got heard. Robbie Anderson at 15 and uh, Moore at 28. It was a difficult match matchup against Chicago. Moore just happened to be targeted more. <laughs> New Orleans is a much easier matchup, and they've been... Beatable through the air. That's how you how you beat New Orleans uh, this year is through the air. And, look, Robbie Anderson has really I, – I get it. DJ Moore out-targeted him last week. but Robbie Anderson has out-targeted, out-yardaged him. Yeah. Uh, same amount of touchdowns. Like, Robbie Anderson has shown that he's the 1A there. So, uh, true values say the same thing as well. I mean, Robbie Anderson is 18th in true target value. DJ Moore is 33rd in true target value. I have them similar to that. I got them at 15 and – Twenty eight. I do think more is a strong wide receiver three this week as well in what could end up being a game where the Panthers are in comeback mode and need to pass more. But I do prefer Anderson straight up of the two. As do I. Moving over to the Saints, the story there, Alvin Kamara is going up against Carolina. Yeah. Finn. Finn. Honestly, like, (laughs) what more can we say? Even with Michael Thomas coming back, it doesn't matter if Kamara sees a slight dip in touches because it's Carolina. Yeah, Alvin Kamara against the running back. Great matchup. Uh, Excuse me. Sorry. Running back against Carolina. Great matchup. Alvin Kamara against Carolina. Get this guy in all your lineups as quickly as you can. Yeah, Finn. (laughs) He's the easiest, like, this is going to be one of the easiest ranks of the week just number one running back period barring any punches thrown in practice michael thomas is expected back this week dude i know he's michael thomas like i don't want to be a little i have him at wide receiver 10 but carolina has been absolutely ridiculous this season against the pass like they're the fourth ranked defense against wide receivers in fantasy yeah, according to uh, Jake Seeley on The Athletic has adjusted yards against uh, adjusted points against as well, which takes into account defenses and opposing offenses and things of that sort. And Carolina is the second best on this slate behind the Rams to opposing wide receivers. And Rasul Douglas and, Cam- and company, Rasul Douglas was awful on the Eagles, atrocious. And then he goes to Carolina, and now he's a beast. Like, he's been one of the best cover corners in the league. He's likely to be on Michael Thomas, but Carolina's passing defense, I don't know why they got rid of so many key players on their defense, and now their passing defense is one of the best in the league up until this point. Again, they haven't played the most difficult matchups. They played the Raiders week one, Tampa week two, where Brady actually played very well against them, Uh, the Chargers and rookie Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, whose true throw value is bad. Matt Ryan without Julio Jones, Nick Foles. Not the easiest, not the most difficult matchups, but they've been very good nonetheless. So I don't think Michael Thomas is going to come back with a huge bang like wide receiver one overall numbers, but it's as simple as Michael Thomas is a first-round pick. Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas. You put Michael Thomas in your lineup if he's playing. And with everything you just said, with Michael Thomas coming back, there's no way you touch Sanders or Trey I think Sanders does have some flex appeal. I like to see how he gets worked in uh in that offense still because he wasn't even playing all the snaps prior. Like he's still only playing fifty to seventy percent of the snaps of Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway playing more even last game. So if he plays that same number of snaps and Michael Thomas is uh, excuse me, if Michael Thomas is on the field and drawing more coverage and opening up the field more, maybe Sanders continues to be a solid flex play week to week. The wide receiver, two in New Orleans is tough to trust typically, but I'd like to see how this game goes. I think he's a decent flex play, but we've seen historically that the number two in New Orleans has a low floor, so there is some risk here once uh, Michael Thomas is back. So I agree in that it's scary to trust him, but I do think there's some flex appeal here, and I think he could, uh, he could surprise with a nice game. Moving on to the tight end then, Jared Cook, a.k.a. Jared, I see three targets a game. Now that one, right? Yeah. Back-to-back games of only three targets. Um, has two touchdowns on the season. Touchdowns basically buoyed him last season as well. So, like, there's always a chance he finds the end zone, and the tight end landscape is not super great. With that said, three targets is only three targets, and I don't think that's enough to trust him. Yeah, I like him more as a high-end tight end too than I do as a tight end one this week against Carolina. I have him as my 15th ranked tight end. Uh, Carolina hasn't been the easiest matchup for tight ends either. They've been uh, very good against opposing tight ends as well. So, Breeze, obviously, with the way I'm talking, I'm lower on the consensus as well this week against Carolina. Um, I know it's off a bye and everything, but maybe it's 2020, but Aaron Rodgers just came off a bye and was absolute garbage. And Bill Belichick... Came off a bye, and his Patriots got absolutely destroyed by the Broncos. It's weird shit. So, yeah. I mean, I got Drew Brees down at QB 18 this week. I'd look elsewhere because, I mean, the guy has no... He's not going to get you running points, and he's going to need to throw a bunch of touchdowns, which is when he has his best games, and I don't really see it against Carolina. Yeah, I definitely don't hate that. That brings us to the battle of the New York teams, I guess. The Bills at the Jets. Story of the game. (laughs) Josh Allen went for 28 points against the Jets last time they played in week one. Was it week one? Last time they played with a rushing touchdown. I think they played against week one, yeah. It was week one. With a rushing touchdown, Josh Allen in his young career has never won a year without scoring a rushing touchdown on the Jets. That's what he does against them. Three years in a row now, he's scoring touchdowns. Probably going to do it again, if we're being honest. Yeah. Josh Allen, the last couple weeks... Coming back down to earth, uh, he hasn't been the Josh Allen from the first four weeks of the year where he ended his QB 3, 3, 3, and 6, and then 15 and 17 these past two weeks. Tennessee was a more difficult matchup, although they haven't been great through the air, and then Casey really sti- uh, stifled him last week, but there was weather concerns as well, so it's interesting, but look, it's against the Jets, it's Josh Allen, I have my QB 3 actually one ahead of consensus at the moment, so... I'm firing him up because the J- the Jets have started a fire sale of their best defensive players as well. Brian Poole is the lone bright spot on that entire team offensively and defensively, honestly. Yeah, and the good thing to Brian see about Poole Josh Allen... Brian the is the slot cornerback. the yes. And the good thing to see about Josh Allen last, um, on Monday was of the was of his his was side of the side of the side of His side of the side His the most he the since Week the against the Jets. So. Look, that's what you want to see. If he's not going to be having success through the air, he's going to use his legs, and that just makes his floor pretty high. So fire me up with Josh Allen, uh, running back Zach Moss came back last week, did not play too much, but Devin Singletary's struggles continued. Yeah, uh, has not been great this season. Earlier in the year, he was like metrics had him playing very well, even though his numbers weren't stacking up. But at this point, this is two games in a row now. He has 21 carries for 57 yards. Yeah, it's rough. But like last week against uh, KC, they ran very. They did not run many plays against KC. It was he only had 10 rushes. Just an odd game, really, all around. And yeah, like you said, 10 rushes. Zach Moss coming back. It's not great because Zach Moss is going to mix in. Um, he outtouched Moss 11 to five last week, but Singletary played the majority of the catches. He saw the, tar- uh, excuse me, the snaps. He saw the targets. So against the Jets, I have Singletary at RB22. I do think a finish higher than that is likely. We just have to see him play a better game than he has these last couple weeks. But if I have Singletary, I'm playing him this week against the Jets easily because it's the Jets. I agree. I think I, I like his upside this week. I find it a little... I. <sighs> I don't think Zach Moss is going to start taking work immediately. Like, dude, this guy was practicing decently and just was then inactive. Yeah, I don't know. So they were being cautious with him? I don't know. Um, someone you're definitely starting is Stefan Diggs. Even while Josh Allen has had some blips on the radar, Diggs has put up back-to-back weeks of wide receiver 19 and 17 in half PPR. 6'46", and a touchdown against the Chiefs. He now has a touchdown in half of his games played this year. Like, if Josh Allen completes 11 passes against the Chiefs and Diggs is still putting up 14 fantasy points in half PPR, this guy is a wide receiver one every week. Yeah, he's a target machine. Even with Josh Allen's decline over the last couple weeks, he's still the number four wide receiver in true target value. I'm firing him up happily. On the other hand, man, look, I want to start John Brown against the Jets, like I'd like to, but two donuts in his past active, uh, in two of his past three games where he was active mixed in there, a game where he was out because of his injury, he was kind of like a game time decision last week. If John Brown's healthy, can he go into New York and have a game similar to Week 1 where he was the 14th overall wide receiver? Yes. But I'm not trusting a guy who has two donuts in two of his last three active games. He's he's a desperation flex, in my opinion, at this point, until we see that he's healthy and he could play well again. I agree. He even missed practice one day, and it's not like it's because he's going to miss the game. It's just that that's what he does now. He just misses practice on Wednesdays. So, I agree. It's tough to trust him. It's a very good matchup if you're dealing with bye weeks. You could take the shot, but he hasn't shown anything in a while. Obviously not starting Dawson Knox. And then you mentioned Brian Poole has been the lone bright spot on the Jets. Slot receiver going up against Cole Beasley. The bee's knees. That was for Tim. Yep. Yeah, who has actually been a little decent. Every game this season, he's been wide receiver 46 or better. So, he's doing what Cole Beasley does. In half PPR, he has scored between 8 and 13 in every single game. He's Crazy. doing what Cole Beasley does. And that's about it. That's what I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Um, I have him right there. at Wide receiver 41. It's a difficult matchup against Brian Poole, but he's doing what Cole Beasley does. Moving over to the other side of the ball. Um, not 100% sure yet if Sam Darnold or Joel Flacco is going to be the quarterback this week. Probably Flacco, but does it even matter?
1: Yeah. It Look, doesn't.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, Jamison Crowder, I have him as my wide receiver uh eighteen this week. Going right back into it with him as well, ranking him a lot higher than consensus. He I mean demolished um the Bills last time they played against each other. The Bills struggle against the slot wide receiver. He also demolished the Bills last week last season twice. Yeah, and this he is also three straight beast games against the Bills. And he also just gets target after target after target. So it's like Obviously, you're playing Crowder, one guy who I was higher on in the preseason and is getting no love, hmm. of course, Prashad Paraman Prashad Paraman played 89% of the snaps last week and saw eight targets. He now gets the Buffalo Bills. They're likely to be trailing early and often. He's going to be running a route on almost every single... Snap. I mean, he went four for 62 against Miami last week, which was good for a wide receiver 40 finish. He's an interesting desperation flex play. Like, I'm not saying go start Rashad Perriman, but if you're really desperate and dealing with a bunch of injuries and such, you could do worse. I don't disagree with you. He hopped right back in and got a shitload of targets. Uh, And then Jeff Smith basically went away. Yeah, he basically replaced Jeff Smith, the player with no name. If you go to the ground, Frank Gore continued to inexplicably get the bulk of the carries. Lamichael well, Michael Pirine did get seven rushes, two. He had two receptions, so nine touches on the game for the young fourth rounder. Ty Johnson was actually the running back that looked the most explosive on the team. Yeah, which sucks because now Ty Johnson's probably going to work in more than Pirine or something. Stay away from them all, period. Yeah, but the Jets just stopped giving the ball to Frank Gore, please. Yeah. And then Chris Herndon, Um, it was nice knowing you. Yeah, unfortunately. It's about it for the Jets. Yeah, start Crowder and that's it. Well, and maybe Perriman is a desperation flex if you're super desperate. So we can move on to Cincinnati at the... No, sorry, I was going to say Cincinnati at the Bengals. The Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. The story of the game this week. We all remember week two when Michael said that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt would be studs and both score at least a touchdown against the Browns. Yeah. I and said, both of them against the Bengals. Said, I actually see 100 yards each and multiple touchdowns in their future. And what happened? They both surpassed 100 yards and both had two touchdowns. Bang. Combined, that would mean the running back went for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. I have Kareem Hunt as my overall RB1. Ah, you're just diving right back into the pool. I have him as my RB3, the only... Uh downside here for me is that (sighs) Baker Mayfield's the quarterback and Baker Mayfield, maybe it was due to injury, but he was absolutely atrocious against Pittsburgh, which is why they're going to run. I know I get that. But if they just stack the box over and over, like last time they played Cincy, he was able to hit OBJ on a deep shot. He was able to roll out. They did a lot of play action. If he's hurt and he's not mobile and he's just stuck in the mobile, mobile, yeah. and he's just stuck Mobile, Alabama. in the pocket. It could stymie the offense a bit. Stymie. I like the words you're using at the moment. <laughs> look, I'm I'm going all in on uh, Kareem Hunt, man. I mean, I have his my overall running back three. I just don't have. him. I'm not ranking him over Kamara against Carolina. You're just being stupid. I have Kamara at second. No, you're crazy. If you look at the rest of the weapons on that team, OBJ. Disappointed once again last week. This guy, every time you think he's turning a corner, well, not us, but like his game against Dallas was mad, fluky. He had a 50 yard rush and shit like that. I don't know why people started ranking him as a wide receiver one again. Despite all the targets he's seeing, he's 36th in true targets. He's seeing last week, he had four targets against Pittsburgh. Well, yeah, prior. If you're seeing four targets from Baker Mayfield, you should go shit yourself and then get Horn. (laughs) She's <laughs> louise jay but look the thing is with obj is that baker mayfield if he's banged up again i mean honestly case keenum is their backup maybe it's not going to be a huge drop off case keenum comes back but look last time he played he played since he he had the long touchdown catch off the play action william jackson and company otherwise have been pretty decent against the pass it was a very down game against pittsburgh but i think obj is a solid wide receiver three like, I have him as my wide receiver 31 right now. I think that bakes in the downside because of the upside he has shown, too. In That's where I have him as well because you got to remember, deep. last time we played Cincinnati, the only thing he did was catch a long pass. Like, if he didn't catch that 50-yard touchdown, he would have been poop. Yeah. No pun intended. Jeez, with your shit jokes, man. I just—you you know I call people to do. to do. I said a poop, poop, poop. Uh, talking about <laughs> the do, let's talk about his LSU buddy, Jarvis Landry. I mean, we've tried— Telling you guys over and over that Jarvis Landry is like, he's like fetch. It's never gonna happen. (laughs) It's just, it's kind of like over for him. He had that one revival game type against Indy, but I'm not trusting a guy who's now third in the pecking order behind OBJ and Austin Hooper. Someone who has risen up as like the number one option. Shout out Austin Hooper. I was born in the darkness. I love it. Why did, you, why did we both just yell at the same time? I did not. Sorry. I apologize to your ears. Because I love Austin Hooper. And I was born in the darkness. Austin Hooper now has three games in a row of at least six targets. Three games in a row with exactly five catches. Two games in a row with at least 50 yards. Three games in a row with at least a touchdown or 50 yards. Three games in a row as tight end 15 or better. Now, we're not talking about this guy like he's been a stud, but tight end 15 or better. Means you are relevant. Yeah. I mean, he also just got... Since he just got torched by uh, Mark Andrews two weeks ago. And then Burton and Doyle last week. Oh, Doyle rules. And... <laughs> oh, Doyle rules. And Austin Hooper is just climbing up that pecking order. Five receptions in hey, each pe- pe- of the last three pe- pe- games pe- as well. I have him uh, higher than consensus. Again, I have him as my tight end nine. I like him this week again. Cincinnati. Same Cincy, here, man. brother. High five. Hey, <clicks> We're in person, baby. You heard that. I think that's it for the Browns, right? Yeah, start Kareem Hunt. See, the Browns are a funnel offense with no rewards. (laughs) It's not that fun. Talking about kind of another funnel offense, not necessarily. The Bengals, the story with the Bengals. Joe Burrow is interesting. Because Joe Joe Burrow on this season is like a top 15 quarterback. But it's... Been a little boring. Look, in four out of six games now, he's scored eighteen or less. Um, but in five out of six games, he scored sixteen or Two more. Five out of six games. He's oh, like the sorry, sorry. Five out of six games, sixteen or more, gotcha. He's like the Cole Beasley of quarterbacks. <laughs> he's gonna finish. Like if you talk about the wide receiver three, like the flex range, he's gonna finish probably somewhere in the 14 to 18 range. He's finished between 10 and 20 every game except Baltimore, where he played terrible. Look, I like him this week against Cleveland because I think it's going to be similar to last time they played, where Cleveland's going to be trying to run it down their throats, and Cleveland has a very good run defense. Their run defense is a lot better than their pass defense thus far. Joe Mixon missed practice today, so there's a real chance that he's not able to go this week. Although he returned last week. Yeah, but the same thing happened with this. That happens sometimes. And then, I mean, look at Sam Darnold. He returned with his shoulder sprain. I'm just saying. So, yeah, I think Joe Burrow has some upside this week. Like you said, he hasn't shown that huge upside. It's a little disappointing that he's not using his legs. Like, week one against the Chargers, he had a 20-yard rushing touchdown that was drawn up for him. Since then, he's yet to surpass 19 rushing yards. Like, 15 rushes through his first two weeks – Eleven rushes total through his last four it's a little disappointing that he doesn't have the the rushing uh adding onto his arm because he is the qB thirty one in true throw value hmm. it's rough right now so he has it's all about two, the volume though he has two total touchdowns in the last three games yeah and it's all about the volume for burrow if he's gonna be throwing a lot a lot a lot he has a chance of putting up a putting in a big game. I mean, I like Boyd and Higgins a lot in this game. You always have to like Boyd and Higgins because of the volume. Even if he's not throwing touchdowns, Joe Burrow has surpassed 300 yards most four out of the six games he's played. Yeah, uh, I got Tyler Boyd as my wide receiver 20. T. Higgins as my wide receiver 21. I think they're both strong wide receiver two plays, uh, and they continue to play at that level too. Like, they're, those are the two main cogs in that offense now it's obvious that even though aj green had like a resurrection-esque game last week um against indy they were forced to throw they were down like uh i mean they were up early and then indy came roaring back and then they had to throw because they were trailing i can't believe they let indy come back as fast as they did that was just terrible but that's besides the point so i mean i love me some boyden higgins aj green if you're trying to Grasp that desperation flex again. See if last week wasn't a fluke and maybe he's like finally getting his legs under him and his head is right. Maybe I don't want to chase that this week, even in a decent matchup. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I want nothing to do with old man Rivers, old man Rivers, AJ Green. Oh, they're talking about Philip Rivers. No, um, so let's Jeez. just quickly. True sample is not a thing anymore. Unfortunately. Seemed like it could have been after the nine target game have against been? Cleveland. So he's playing Cleveland again, but I don't expect him to just see nine targets again just because it's the same team. So the running backs. Michael apparently thinks Joe Mixon is look, I expect Joe Mixon to play. He re entered the game last week. I just think people are ridiculous again. <laughs> His ECR, expert consensus ranking. Is eighth. I quickly moved him down to 22. Quickly. Quickly. Look, I think uh, running back nine is bugging because... Joe Mixon, hold on, dude. Because even though he got hurt last week, he only had three targets. He's reverting back to his old role of, I'm going to get a bunch of carries, but suck with them. And I'm not really going to be involved in the passing game. Like, I don't get it. And he's kind of hurt now. And last time they played Cleveland, he sucked. Yeah. 16 for 46. Cleveland has been a lot better against the run as well. He's getting more work, though. I mean, he had 18 rushes and three targets, and he missed some of the game. That's 21 touches. Like, he's solidifying a a very nice floor, at the very least. Um, I have at RB 14, so still below Dude, consensus. Against Baltimore, he had 30 touches, didn't even pass 100 yards, didn't find the end zone. I'm it's aware. legitimately hard. <laughs> it's hard to do. But again, he's going to see 20-plus touches. And yes, Cleveland's a, a tougher opponent. Uh, they're in the top half of the league against the run. But newsflash, Mixon's also hurt. So I don't see how you could really rank him as an RB1 at this point. If he misses the game, I'm a slot Gio Bernard in as a back-end RB2 who's in line for... The lion's share of the carries as well. And targets. If Joe Mixon misses the game, I can guarantee you Gio Bernard will be higher than 22 in my rankings. <laughs> I mean, because the injury risk is there too for Mixon. Maybe he'll re-aggravate. We don't know how much he's going to play. If he's out of the game, I I would rather, if I have Gio Bernard on my team, I'd rather Mixon just sit. Like if you have Mixon and Gio? Yeah. Yeah. If Mixon is sitting, please pick up Gio and start him somewhere. Yeah, I got him in a couple of places in case... Uh, mix and sets. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Before we move on to America's team, I need to tell you about what a guy's best friends. Yeah, that was a bad transition. See, sometimes it's, it shows that I'm not the usual host. What does a guy, a guy call his best friends? His testies, besties, of course. I can't even say this with a straight face. Halloween is right around the corner, and you don't want to spook someone with your scary bush. Okay. Our friends at Manscaped <laughs> want to help you make your boys downstairs clean and best friends of their own. Manscaped is number one in men's below the waist grooming and offers precision engineered tools for your family, jewels. If you go to manscaped.com and use code BROTO, that is B-R-O-T-O, you will get 20% off with free shipping. Again, that's BROTO, B-R-O-T-O, with 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped is the shit, if we're being honest. Um, the lawnmower Mower 3.0 is super smooth, super small, super quiet, and... It cuts very, very well, and they have awesome uh, anti-chafing boxers. That's honestly my favorite thing. A nice, comfy T-shirt. It's really a good package. Uh, if you want to buy the perfect package, they got that. If you want to buy separately, the perfect package even comes with a little uh, toiletry bag, which is convenient because I've never had one of those. Yeah. Um, so if you want to get your balls less scary for Halloween, apparently is what we're going for, Go to manscaped.com and use code BROTO for, BROTO for 20% off and free shipping. With that said, you know who has scary balls? The quarterbacks of the Cowboys and the Washington football team because they're Dadoo. So the story of the game is Da-Doo quarterbacks. I guess we'll start with Dallas because they're the away team. So it's Cowboys Yo, at Washington. Let me w- cut you off here because Dallas, <sighs> Andy Dalton. Look. There's a reason why we start true throw values, why we release it after the first three or four weeks. Yeah, or it? it's an efficiency stat and it needs time. It's an efficiency stat. It needs to break down some of marinate. the noise. Yeah, it needs to marinate like a good steak. Look, Andy Dalton, holy moly, he could not have been worse last week from true value perspective. Actually, he could have. He could have been Alex Smith, but... He ended 38th overall, only ahead of Alex Smith, and that absolutely demolished the receivers. Uh, Amari Cooper fell from top 10 to number 45. CeeDee Lamb fell from like 15 to 68. Michael Gallup's outside like the top 80. Obviously, take it with a grain of salt because, like I said, it needs to marinate. It needs some time to adjust and get used to, to. Let's see who Andy Dalton really is. He played better in the fourth quarter. I'll give him that. Maybe he just needs some time to mingle with that offense and uh, get going. He gets Washington this week. Uh, Washington's a decent defense all around, but it's not a defense you're super scared away from. Um, with that being said, I'm still a little scared of the receiving options this week because they're passing defense. The, the Redskins, excuse me, the Redskins, the Washington football team, is basically like the middle of the pack defense across the board where they're not really giving up big games. They're not giving up, they're not like holding opponents to really bad games, but Andy Dalton was bad last week. I think Amari Cooper, I have him at my wide receiver 25 right now. Um, If Andy Dalton plays better, that will be higher going forward, but I don't see how you could trust him as a wide receiver won this week as you have been able to with Dak in the past because yes he went 7 for 79 and caught a touchdown last week and it all seemed dandy but he had like four receptions and 50 something yards going into the last garbage time drive and he caught a 1 yard touchdown after three straight incompletions trying to throw fades to Michael Gallup and then in- and then uh flags and then Cooper finally got the touchdown i've CD Lamb as my wide receiver 36 7-for-64 against Arizona, another similar matchup against Washington where it's not the best matchup. Not really the worst, but they've been good overall. So he's more about the target total as well. He did see 10 targets last week. The most of the receivers, maybe Dalton, like is if he likes Lamb the best, that's going to be nice. Michael Gallup, his line would look a lot better if he caught the touchdown in which he dropped. He could have had three catches for... 45 yards and a touchdown rather than 2 for 23. But he has one game this year over 4 receptions and now Andy Dalton's the quarterback. It sucks, but I mean the guy is 4 of 6 finishes 57th or worse. I don't see like his expert consensus ranking right now is wide receiver 35. I don't understand that at all. I, I think it's absolutely mind-boggling. I have him at wide receiver 56 at the moment. There's really no way I'm trusting Michael Gallup this week. Thank you for inviting me to the Michael Fantasy Football podcast. I just had to, I had to get that all out there because I had to explain the true values and things of that sort. You know, I greatly appreciate it. On, I just do want to say one thing because I agree with everything you said. I do want to say one thing. Andy Dalton last week dealt with a Michael Gallup drop touchdown, a CD Lamb pass interference that wasn't called that led to an interception, and two Zeke fumbles. That is tough to do to your new quarterback on a new team. First time ever playing with these people. They did not help their quarterback in any way. So I just want to make that note because the offense might not be as ugly as it was Monday night. We've seen Andy Dalton play decent football football before. Yeah, he was in the past a lot better than that. But, I mean, he was younger as well, so we'll see. Um. Mr. Fumble, you didn't touch on, Ezekiel Elliott, went 12 for 49. But as usual this season, he made up for it because he saw 11 targets. And was extremely inefficient. Extremely. Eight catches, 31 yards. He was legit Did do last week. Like, I'm looking at a stat line right now, and it's like, when did Zeke turn into Joe Mixon? You know, he's outside the top 30 in PFF running backs as well so far this season. I mean, he wasn't really making anyone miss. You watch the game. Yeah. He was just fumbling. But, uh last week was his worst week of the season before that he never finished outside of wide receiver 16. if you're Zeke running and you're getting back. running back at yeah, and you're getting 11 targets man like you're, you're starting this guy he's a high-end rb1 and there are better days ahead I mean I haven't missed my rb9 this week he just seems to be a shoe-in in the top three when two games he's ended as the number three running back and then the other four he's ended as nine 16 13 and 28. And now, like you said, Andy Dalton's the quarterback. The Washington run defense isn't bad. Again, it's like they're a middle-of-the-pack defense. So I think he's more of a mid-RB one this week. I think the the outlook that maybe Zeke will be better without Dak because he'll get more touches really showed through last week that losing Dak is not going to help him. Typically, losing a quarterback doesn't help anyone. Yeah. You want the best quarterback on the yeah, team. Yeah, Obviously, you're starting him, but I think it was. I mean, obviously, all-around concerning, but we'll see how they bounce back this week against Washington. Mr. Snoopy, Dalton Schultz, um, had five targets last week, four for 35. F- good for six half PPR fantasy points uh, with Dak on the bench. On the bench. Mensch on the bench is the, it's the thing, right? On the bench, right? <laughs> I, I don't even know. There's a mention on the bench bobblehead over here, so I was trying to get creative. Uh, he's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mend with Dak on the mend. So is Dalton Schultz, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean he was active early, and then he really fell off in like the second half. And Washington has been bad against the tight end, so if you roster Dalton Schultz and he's kind of been your guy recently. I don't hate the idea of trusting him one more week this week against Washington to really see how it goes because he did see targets from Dalton. And it's, again, it's not the, I don't see the huge upside, but it's the tight end position. So if you get seven or eight points, you're probably pretty happy about it. So he's someone I'm, I have him as a fringe tight end one. I have him tight end 13 right now. Moving over to the Washington football team. Look, the story has to be the fact that J.D. McKissick continues to get the same as if not more work than Antonio Gibson. More. Not even the same. Just more. Over and over. Despite the fact, though, that Gibson is playing better. McKissick played 53% of the snaps last week to Gibson's 37. Saw six targets to Gibson's five. McKissick just continues to be a big part of that offense for better or for worse. That's just how Ron Rivera and company is... Handling that backfield right now, and the guy just continues catching passes over and over and over, despite the fact that their actual starting running back was a wide receiver in college. I mean, McKissick has seven receptions, six receptions, six receptions. In PPR leagues, he's been great as a as like a bi week fill in and such. He was actually the RB twelve last week in PPR leagues. In half PPR leagues, he's been decent as well. Against Dallas is a great matchup. He ran better than Gibson last week. I think he's an interesting flex play this week. Obviously, his ceiling is very limited, but I have my RB31. If you just lost Miles Sanders and you picked up McKissick as a as a patch to save you while Sanders returns, it's not the worst idea. Like, I think McKissick will at least be decent this week. I also have him at 31. When someone has at least six catches three games in a row, it puts them on the radar. Yep. And, uh... I don't think you need to say much else. We just did see Kenyon Drake, a guy who couldn't do anything against Carolina, kill Dallas, especially with that final touchdown run of 69 yards. Yeah. So I do like Antonio Gibson as RB2 as well. Yeah, I'm at RB23, a little lower than consensus just because he's shown that he's a touchdown-dependent option. And he has one game. He was the running back five against Baltimore, which was pretty shocking at the time. Every other game, he's been 24th or worse. So it's like, I don't think I'm against the grain here, ranking him lower than expert consensus in what seems like a good matchup because if he doesn't find that end zone, you're likely going to be a little disappointed. Someone we do usually rank lower than other people, and we've been right for the most part um, because at one point, true values take effect. Terry McLaurin, seeing a lot of targets, but his quarterbacks just aren't that good. Kyle Alden looked decent last week. Um... Definitely played better than Dwayne Haskins has played, and this is a game against Dallas. Dallas lets just about anyone destroy them. Yep. Um. So, if there was ever a good matchup for Terry McLaurin, it's this one. Yeah. Um. I like you said a little begrudgingly because I. I I love me some Terry McLaurin, and just that quarterback situation is awful. I have my uh, excuse me my wide receiver twelve this week you got to fire him up. It's a tremendous matchup against Dallas. He's seen 12 targets, 7 targets, 14 targets over the last three weeks. He's locked in as the the main guy, the main pass catcher in that offense. So fire him up. And then don't trust anyone else. I was about to say, not even Logan Thomas, right? Sims. No, thank you. Logan Thomas, again, he's the, the shiny new toy that everyone loved in the beginning of the year because, you know, targets, air yards, all that stuff. True throw value said that. He was not a good investment. Guess what? He scored a touchdown last week, so now he's the cool, yeah, Logan Thomas is back type of thing. He hasn't seen over four targets since week three. I'm not buying into the hype. Uh, I haven't as my tight end 19 this week. I'd look somewhere else if I'm looking for for upside. I agree completely. That's it for that game, right? Yeah. This next game will surely be a doozy. We're going... Uh, Packers at Texans, Yahtzee, that's a good game. Story of the game, one quarterback was dreadful, one quarterback was spectacular. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Right. Dr. Sois. The spectacular one was Dr. the one Seuss. who has struggled in the early onset, and then the one who was terrible was the one who was one of the best quarterbacks in the league early on. Aaron Rodgers really struggled against Tampa Bay, man. Yeah, let's start with that. Um, We know why. According to PFF, Aaron Rodgers faced pressure on 31 of his dropbacks combined, weeks one through five. Last week, 31. Last week, he was pressured 18 times. Hot damn. That was more than 50% of what he saw in five games combined before that. That Tampa Bay defense is crushing it right now. And Aaron Rodgers was not ready for pressure. He was not. Not at all. Now, bounce back game against Houston. Sign me up. All right, let me say one thing. I don't hate the matchup. um, The Houston pass rush hasn't been that good. Definitely not as good as Tampa Bay. I just think this has Aaron Jones game written all over it, man. Houston has allowed four running back ones this season. It's only week seven. But... Many of the times Aaron Jones week coincides with Aaron Rodgers week, cause it's through the air. No, I think it's gonna be a ground game for Aaron Jones. Yeah, I don't, I don't uh, hate that idea. I think that's that could happen, and then Aaron Rodgers ends up with like a QB fifteen finish, and you're a little upset. But yeah. I have him as QB seven right now because look, I think he's gonna be ready and willing to throw all over the field uh, early on, cause like yo. He got embarrassed by Tampa Bay. He got picked off twice. He was a pick six, and he's been like he, he's been a uh, an MVP candidate. While they were up ten zip too, it was a ten to nothing game. Yeah, he's been an MVP candidate, and Houston has been solid against the QB this year. But look, it's Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams is back. Played his typical allotment of snaps. uh, Of snaps last week. Ryan Tannehill just absolutely obliterated their defense through the air. I'm firing up Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, I'm firing up Aaron Jones, too. You touched on him a little bit. Massive upside upside this week against Houston. Uh, Houston has been really bad against the rush, and Aaron Jones has been very good. Yeah, so I don't think we need to talk more about Aaron Jones. I He's actually been a even feast. think Jamal Williams might have a little bit of flex appeal here. Dude, I ranked him a little higher than— We're like— Completely on the same page this week. I ranked him a little higher than I typically do. I don't I don't like it. I like when we argue. Yeah, it's more fun. Where do you have him ranked? 38. I got him at 33. Hmm, you're even higher. Yeah. Uh, if we go to the pass catchers, Devante Schmadam's family, <laughs> since it's Halloween. Uh, six for 61 in a dreadful game. Like, you can't really be mad about it. At least he put up wide receiver Three numbers. Better times are ahead. Houston's defense is not a super imposing one. Yeah, uh, Bradley 23rd Roby. 23rd against receivers this year. Bradley Roby's been good, but Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams and firing him up as a high-end wide receiver one in what could be a big bounce-back game with him and Rodgers. You know, I'm just saying in the offseason, I said there's just something about Devontae Adams. He just never surpasses 1,000 yards. Like, it's just something that happens, or it always, it always happens. And early in the season, it's looking like it's going to happen like that again because he was injured or just... I don't know. Stuff like that. Yeah. But this week is a great play. Um, there's always that guy who, according to True Values, is a good play, but they just suck in real life, like Sammy Watkins. Yep. And that is becoming Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The amount of work that he just sees from drop Aaron Rodgers. The dude from your roster so you don't have to types, worry about him anymore. And the type of targets he sees from Aaron Rodgers, he should be better. True value said so. He's just not good. Are you finally going to agree with me that you can't start the damn dude this week? I'm not starting him until he he does something, though. I think he has a little bit of flex appeal. Like, sure, if you're desperate. But the dude, the big plays just haven't been there, man. He's been outside the top 52 every single week since week one. Yeah. Like, no more than five receptions in any games. Yeah, Houston is a nice matchup, but we both agree it's going to be an Aaron Jones-type game. Devontae Adams is back. Pass. Pass on M V S. Pass to M V S? Pass on M V S. Alright, then we can go to the actual second receiver on the team. Big Bob. Big Bob. Bobatonian. Bobatonian. Um got hurt last week, so uh didn't play to his full potential. DNP today as well. DNP today. Uh three for twenty five last week. The Texans are twenty second against tight ends in fantasy this season. Hasn't been too good. Haven't haven't been Too great, but Tanyan is tied for the league lead in touchdowns for tight ends. Yeah. Um, Touchdowns are big for tight ends when the landscape looks the way it does. I'm still firing him up as a tight end one this week if he plays. And if he plays and has another bad game, then maybe that three-touchdown game was just a fluke. But I'm giving him another shot here because that whole— uh, Packers passing game was just abysmal last week, so I'm giving him a little bit of a pass. Yep. Uh, I think that's it for the Packers. We can go over to Deshaun motherfucking Watson. Right when everybody was doubting him, he said, I am a beast. Hear me roar. Um, Three 300-yard games in a row. Three games in a row with at least two touchdowns. Four games in a row with at least two touchdowns. Two in a row with at least three touchdowns. When a guy like Deshaun Watson is hot, you do not sit him. And in two Period. games with Romeo Cornell as his head coach, he's quarterback six and quarterback one. Deshaun Watson is giving a big ol' FU to B.O.B., Bill O'Brien, his former dictator, I mean coach, slash GM. And that's about it. When Deshaun Watson's cooking, you sit back, watch, and enjoy. Yeah, you fire him up happily. I haven't met QB4 this week against Green Bay. Do it. Just do it. I mean, there's no reason not to start him with the way he's been playing. Also, on this podcast, we note a lot. Jair Alexander's a stud. Yep, He allowed one catch for negative yards in two games combined before last week, and then he went and played Tampa Bay, and Mike Evans was the do. Total the do. I feel like Mike Evans was to do is a common theme among this early season. But Jair Alexander's just shutting down everyone. So my question Because you're going to start Will Fuller. He's just been that damn good. He has a touchdown in four straight games. 100 yards or a touchdown in five out of six games. Will Fuller is great. Yep, Top 24 option every week. If he's shadowed by Jerry Alexander, is Brandon Cooks the better play this week? Or is that crazy to say? Brandon Cooks, two top seven finishes with Romeo Cornell as a head coach. 8 for 161 with a touchdown 2 weeks ago, 9 for 68 in a touchdown last week. Deshaun Watson's emergence has coincided with Brandon Cooks's uproar and this is the reason why we love Brandon Cooks coming to the season at value and it took some time, but I am I'm down to call Brandon Cooks a wide receiver 2-3. Like I'm in. Yeah. Uh Will Fuller to start with Will Fuller, he moves into the slot um around 20-25%-ish of the time. So he will move away from J.R. Alexander at some points. So I don't think it's going to be a full-on shadow coverage from J.R. Alexander. So, I mean, there's no way you could sit him at this point either with the way he's been going. Like, 100 yards or a touchdown, like you said, each of the last four games. Besides the Baltimore donut, he's never been lower than wide receiver 28. Two games in the top 10. He's been great. He's been fantastic. And Brandon Cooks, I have him at... Where do you have him? I have him at wide receiver 23. I have him at wide receiver 25. He's at th- overall wide receiver 3-7 and seven over the last two weeks with Romeo Cornell. 21 targets, 17 receptions, over 220 total yards, two touchdowns. He's been absolute monster these last two weeks. And yeah. I'm starting Will Fuller, like I said. But he is going to be going up against Jair Alexander, which leaves room... Against the lesser cornerbacks on Green Bay, for Brandon Cooks to operate in a game that I expect a lot of points to be scored, I think Brandon Cooks is a very strong wide receiver too. Any love for Mr. Salad? Randall Cobb. Found the end zone last week, the Cobb-Salad. Um, but that was only one of three catches, 17 yards besides that. Six for 47 the week before. I think he like, he's found himself in half PPR PPR flex territory, but that's about it. I'm not super excited about Cobb. He's basically the fourth option at the moment behind uh, Nuke. Excuse me. Wow, I just said Andre Hopkins. Uh, Behind Fuller, Cooks, and And tight tight end. end. Mm. So I'm not very interested in Randall Cobb. On the note of tight end, Darren Feltz has played two games without Jordan Akins, and that has resulted in two tight end five finishes. Literally tight end overall five. If Jordan Aikens is out again, I'm starting Darren Fells. Like Houston tight end, I talked about in the offseason. Aikens and Fells numbers combined was a top 12 tight end. Houston yeah. tight end is a great play. And if only yeah. one of them is healthy, you play the other guy. And it's not like Green Bay is fantastic against the tight end either. I mean, Rob Gronkowski just had a big game against them. Um, yeah. Fells is a good play if Aikens is out. So someone to keep an eye on. Uh, older man Rivers, not older man, he's younger. Then old man Rivers, H.J. Green, David Johnson, nineteen for fifty-seven last week. One catch, twelve yards. Bailed himself out with a touchdown. Um, only his uh, his third touchdown in six games has not had more than three cat has not had more than two catches since week one. So his pass catching has phased away from the offense. He is receiving high teens number of rushes every week he's just a volume-based RB2 at this point. Like, I can't get excited. Green Bay hasn't been great against running backs. But David Johnson just isn't a very good running back. Like, the Packers have allowed basically two PPR points per target to running backs this year, but he's not going to see targets. So, you're just depending on his groundwork. Look, I I get all that, but Similar to Ronald Jones last week when I had him ranked eighth, way higher than consensus, and that came through. <sighs> I hate it, but I'm in on David Johnson this week. I have him as my RB12. If you're gonna see double me? digit, if you have him, if you're gonna see double digit carries, plus I don't like the running backs this week. Let me throw it out, throw that out there outside the top like eight or so. If you're gonna get double digit carries against Green Bay, you have my attention. I mean Rojo uh, just absolutely dominated them on the ground uh Gurley Kamara they've just been not good against the ground game they've been one of the best matchups to target if with opposing running backs or running back so David Johnson continues to get the line share of the carries he does see at least a couple targets i know it's not superb involvement in the passing game but you got to fire him up I mean, I was saying you're gonna start him as an RB too. I just you you think he has more upside than I do. And yeah. That's fine. Agree to disagree, I suppose. That's it for part one. Yeah. Unfortunately, Duke Johnson, you cannot uh, start him. But yeah, that's it. That's folks. correct. Part um, one is over. We're coming back to you with part two. Yeah. If it rolls right through, then what's up? Thanks for listening to part one, and we'll see you in part two. Uh, until then, I'm at F Jason. I'm at Broadwolf Mike. Tim is at BrotoFFTim, Tim, aka the tenth overall ranker for week six. Booyah, shout out to Tim. Bang bang. Uh you can follow us at BrotoFantasy on Twitter, Patreon dot uh, Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy if you want to join the wonderful community and uh just get some awesome perks such as uh waiver wire podcast. Well, you can't do a Broto League now, but joining you'll do in a, be in a Broto League next year. I'm sure everyone will tell you they're great leagues. You can join the Discord. All that good stuff. It's a lot of fun. Um, what else am I missing? com. We, we, we release something every day, basically. Whether yep. it's an article, true values, rankings, a podcast, Non-stop. waivers. Non-stop. There's always Stop. something coming out, so check out the website. Um, and then PartyBelts.com, the official championship belt of Broto Fantasy Football. Use code BRODO for 15% off and get yourself a dope prize for your league for... Only like thirty dollars. It's really a no-brainer. I don't know what everyone's doing. Go order it, please. It's dope. And uh, Thrive Fantasy. If you use code BROTO twenty BROTO twenty two zero, not that spelled out. BROTO two um, zero. They'll match you from twenty to fifty dollars, whatever your first deposit is, and you can make some bets on some player props, and it'll be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. See you in part two. Later. Later.